I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to Play Comics, where once again we are here looking at a video game based on a comic property, this time again based on a manga property, and how well that game represents the source material this time. I am here with my personal actual in real life friend Aaron, because we are taking a look at maybe one of the most timeline complicated weird how many different versions of this things that we've looked at on the show so far. Gundam side story 0079 Rise from the Ashes. Woohoo! So Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, you know. It's a nice day outside. It's a Saturday. I'm here with you. And we're talking about one of the uh, one of the most coolest um, franchises in I would even say the world. That is some strong praise, especially considering some of the other fandoms that we have in common. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, I think it stands true though. It's it's just so complex, and there's so many, there's so much of it, and depending on what kind of stories you like, you can basically take your pick. So what is it that got you into being a fan of Gundam? Uh, let's see. I think um, I have to fully admit um, I was definitely uh, a Toonami and a Midnight Run kind of kid. Um, I started learning about the franchise when I was um, newly getting into kind of nerddom and fandom. Um, but the interesting part was I have always been kind of a second or third degree Toonami kid. Uh, I never actually had cables, so I usually depended on the kindness of my friends and uh, whenever I was sleeping over at a friend's house to kind of tune in and watch. Um, so I, I never actually saw like a full series until I went to college and had like full access to the internet. Um, but that's kind of where I got my got my start. What is it about Gundam that you think just really speaks to people? Um, I think it's I think it's different for everybody, um, depending on what you're looking for. Um, obviously, there's the people who are into it just for the the giant robots going boom smash pew 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 pew. There's the people who are into it for kind of the the political machinations between um, all the different political groups and factions. Um, there's the people who uh, who have solely watched Gundam Wing on Toonami and really really liked to watch uh, to read fanfic of the uh, the Gundam pilots kissing. So you know, there's something for everyone. Somehow for me, I completely missed the Gundam thing. Like, I vaguely knew it had giant robots, and that was about it until I started getting ready for this episode. Wow, so you're a complete newbie. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to get a giant crash course over the next few months <laughs> just with knowing what other episodes I have to record with people. What was the most surprising to you as you were doing the research? For me, I think it was that 
I forget which video it was that I was watching, but they were saying that the original series just kind of flopped and then the toys saved it mm -hmm. and kind of exploded from there. That's a... I actually didn't know that, um, but I'm not surprised. Uh, there's a lot of... I feel like especially in the 70s and 80s when the Gundam series was first getting off its feet. Um, I think that was the same with a lot of different franchises. As that, they kind of started out um, starting out as a show, and then uh, they started making toys, and then it kind of took off as collectors started collecting, and people st more people started watching. Just knowing that back in 79, somebody was willing to make a show that was here's like 50 episodes of overarching story let's follow this whole thing through like we're going to kill a main character's family because it's war and that kind of thing happens and just take everything so seriously like I'm, it's amazing especially in um in the the anime kind of genre um i feel like these days, I mean, there's there's obviously all kinds of um, stories within the the anime genre, but I feel like there's less. Uh, I feel like sometimes, especially hit series, can be um, a little less dramatic and a little less um, forceful with their storytelling. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this thing for real. Like I was watching a bunch of like condensed episodes just so I could try to get through as much of it as possible but going back seeing if I can find a place to watch them for real that's gonna be fun <laughs> I know it's um I've actually one of my long-term goals has been to kind of watch all of this every single series um in release order um, by timeline <laughs> because um, if you're if you're listening um, and you're not super aware of uh, the Gundam properly, there's actually a few different timelines or kind of like separate universes in the franchise. Um, and I don't know. I have some notes here because I can't actually can't remember them all. But um, if you want me to go into them a little. Yes, please. Um, so there's like the main timeline, which is um, the timeline in which our our game of choice is set. It's called the Universal Century, um, and uh, the highlights, uh, the majority of the series listed or released at this point, are set in the Universal Century. Um, so the the highlights include Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam the Eighth MS Team, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam ZZ. And uh, one of my personal favorites, um, the Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn, um, which the fun, my fun fact is I haven't actually seen all of the Universal Century episodes. I've seen a lot of like bits and pieces over the years, um, but I'm now that I've kind of been revisiting the series over the past um, couple weeks, I'm I'm definitely gonna start. Uh, from the beginning uh, coming up soon probably over Christmas um, and then there's uh, Future Century um, there's Post Disaster there's the Cosmic Era um, there's the After Colony or Mars Century which is um, the Gundam Wing timeline um, there's Correct Century and then um, the newest series which I've been hearing really great things about um, is called Ad Stella and that's um, the series set in that time period is called The Witch for Mercury. How do the stories from these different timelines work with each other? That's a really good question. Um, they don't. They tend not to feature the same characters, so you won't you won't find like, um, for instance, um, one of the main characters in the Universal Century is, um, I would say. One of the main villains slash um, antagonists um, uh, is named Char, Char Osnable. 
Um, and he... He doesn't show up in any of the other timelines, but his kind of character archetype will show up in other um, other timelines. So he's um, he's known to be blonde. He's known to wear kind of a mask for at least part of the series. Um, he's usually kind of he's sometimes on the good guy's side, sometimes on the bad guy's side. He's usually like the antagonist against the hero character, um, and he's. Uh, but you'll find kind of a character like that in the other timelines, um, kind of taking some of the same character traits um, and combining them into one. The kind of themes that are that are discussed. Um, there's a lot of focus on like how war affects um, the people on Earth or the people in the colonies. And I think that's that's kind of the best connection. Or the, the the biggest connection between them all. Well, I'm glad that they're not trying to be like <laughs> this version of somebody does this thing and this other version of somebody does another thing. Because that's where I see a bunch of people going crazy in other fandoms trying to like, oh no, you didn't get this thing right. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Um, I think we see that a lot in in um, comics. Especially with the, uh, the multiple universes of, of Marvel. So are you familiar with like, the manga side of Gundam as well? Or are you generally an anime person for this one? I, I am not very familiar. Um, I know that it exists. Um, but I'm not... I'm not, a hu- I'm not hugely familiar with it. Uh, which is sad, but... Um, I found in my in my cough cough old age, uh, I can't keep buying <laughs> books and physical items. I kind of have to limit myself to what I can um, consume because there's just so much, especially in the Gundam series. I am completely with you on that. Like, it's not on the Viz app, so I didn't even try because I once i saw how much it was gonna take just to get some kind of understanding of what was going on i think it's harder because um so much of the focus in at least the united states is on the tv series and on the um the mech robots that you can um, buy and put together and paint um that there isn't as much focus on the manga so it's harder to to kind of purchase for yourself and there's um i'm sure there's less legal ways to get a hold of it um that might that might offer you a better an easier way to get a hold of it but as again as i've gotten quote unquote older um i've kind of leaned away from from that yes we have plenty of things to read that we're getting completely legally above board i don't need to add more exactly but i do know that it adds a bunch of light novels and other things as well that aren't even touched in the anime side of things yet so yeah and when i when i was younger um and when i was like really first getting into kind of the gundam universe um you really you really just only knew about the tv series and then by the time i got older and grew up and i really seem to be focusing on my age so maybe we can cut that out (laughs) but um as i got older and started working and having a job um i just and all of a sudden like light novels were being released and just all these new kind of additions to the universe it's it's almost hard to focus on and you kind of have to pick and choose what you wanna um what you wanna focus on growing up when we did sucked because of the access to everything (laughs) and lack of access yeah it's it's i know people today have it easy but then also you run into problems where there's like 50 different streaming services and you have to pay for each one and honestly sometimes um 
sailing the high seas sounds like it's getting to be worth more and more worth it. Well, all I know is we definitely don't need to touch that topic. Because <laughs> I have whole other episodes talking about that. Good. On that note, I'm going to drop some promos for a few other shows, and then we'll come back and look at the game. Cool. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Doesn't make sense, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> it's comic physics. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble, and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. If you're going to read one Joker story, this might be it. Explain how characters were created. And the publisher said it was the worst thing he had ever heard. Discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. If we were to make a new turtle, what would they look like? And of course, the important question, what color would their headband be? Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. He can't die. He's basically Highlander that can fly, you know, with like huge muscles. And he's been around so long, and he was Abraham Lincoln. He was like... Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> this is Comic Book Keepers. Called the Working Man's Nerdist, Tales from the Fandom is a weekly podcast where David talks with a guest about the fandoms that they love. Whether it's classics like Star Trek, Star Wars and Tolkien, or new ones like Game of Thrones or Harry Potter. Anime, books, TV shows, movies, role-playing, video games, cosplay and more are discussed. Each episode is different, based on the guest. No fandom is too big or too small. Subscribe to Tales from the Fandom and join in on the fun. Those are some great shows to check out, but first let's finish up with this one. So, Aaron, I have to ask, just because I'm not sure, how much Dreamcast experience had you had before looking at this game to come on here? Um, 110%. I have never even touched a Sega Dreamcast. That's a shame. I'm glad that you could look at something for it. I'm kind of disappointed that this is your first experience with it, but at least now you don't have none. <laughs> do you do you have a lot of experience with the Dreamcast? Dreamcast was one of the first things I picked up at the flea market when I started going here. My friend had one in middle school. We would go to his house after school mm -hmm. and play that. It was a dream. We all loved it. Aww. It's amazing. That controller is horrible, though. <laughs> that, that is one complaint that I saw almost unanimously across the um, all of the, the research that I did. Um, but no, I never... I actually never became a big gamer until the start of the pandemic a couple of years ago. Um, and currently, I uh, in the past, I've really only played um, with Nintendo consoles, and currently my only console is the Nintendo Switch. It's a good one, though. It is very good, and it's been it's been a very faithful companion over the past couple of years. <laughs> what was your favorite game on the Dreamcast? Growing up with my friend, it was either NBA 2K whatever year or NFL 2K, because that's what we would go play. Now mm -hmm. it's a lot more Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and mm -hmm. a couple other weird little ones that I picked up for Kaylee that I never thought I would enjoy. I just never would have even thought to play them. Mm-hmm. Do they, um, those are both sports games. Are you a big sports game person? Not as much as when I was younger. Hmm. Because now, I like to have things with the story now. And mm -hmm. with sports games, it it's just turns into, they try to throw story in there so weirdly in sports games now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to play. Mm -hmm. 
I know it's I think part of the reason that I haven't become a big gamer in the past is that I also I look I look for a story and I look for um, kind of an overarching idea and I think a lot of the games that I've tried to play in the past were like racing games or sports games um, or like fighting games and that's I'm okay with that but there has to be a good um, a good story and a good kind of hook behind it one kind of game though I could never really get into ever was first person shooters and of course that's what we're looking at here I definitely have a note that says I am not a huge first-person shooter fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was... When I originally started looking into this, this game, um, I actually, the first kind of video of gameplay that I watched basically just showed the shooting bits, and it cut any of the plot-filled cutscenes out. So... I was not, it like, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> but I eventually did find a, a video, another video that kind of went more into like the, the characters and the plot behind all the shooting. Um, it didn't, I didn't feel like it had, I definitely feel like the emphasis was more on the kind of shooting and the... Um, the battles but i got a kind of i did get a better sense of like what the, the point of the game was supposed to be this one came out in august of 1999 in japan over here april of 2000 it was developed and published by bandai who as far as for the timeline of this show goes had already released Dick Tracy, Dragon Ball GT Final Bout, Digimon World, Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle 22, and The Rocketeer for, I can't remember if it was one of or both of NES and Super Nintendo. So not a ton of Bandai things that we've looked at here on the show so far. Have you, have you played any of those? I have. Ooh, which one? They're, I've played all of them. Hmm. Not like full-on completion, all of them or anything, yeah. but yeah. no enough. All and right, and which one? Which one was your favorite? Probably Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle Twenty Two. Mm. It's a <laughs> fighter. It's not complete crap. Final bout is crap. <laughs> Um, what I find interesting about kind of that the whole um, list of games is that a lot of those are are based on properties that are from that kind of like Toonami Cartoon Network um, era. Um, so you can see how how Bandai is trying to capitalize on on uh, on that synergy between. Uh, what's airing on TV and what's um, what people are buying and what people are playing. Just looking ahead to what I know I'm going to be recording and getting to, there's going to be a lot more Bandai coming up. <laughs> was this? I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not super familiar. Obviously, uh, was this kind of where they were, where they started off as a company? How how long have they been in business at this point? Bandai was founded back in 1950, so that's like 70 years for us. Um, started off as... I mean, they started off with toys and everything. They just kind of kept mm -hmm. going there. Mm. The style of toys obviously changed the whole time. But now you get a lot more of these licensed things... Of models like you have for Gundam, that kind of thing, and they're still mm -hmm. putting out video games too. They're just kind of clumped in as a company with Namco being Bandai Namco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did you think as you were 
looking into Mobile Suit, Mobile Suit Gundam Side Story 0079 Rise from the Ashes. First off, I thought that a title is such a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's it is a huge mouthful. Uh, I'm wondering there has to be some kind of shorter way to refer to it. But the fandom did not tell me as I was um, reading about it. Luckily for you, I didn't find anything either, so we're at least both confused together <laughs> on that one. Good, good, good. Maybe, maybe Side Story 0079? Maybe just Rise from the Ashes? We'll probably use them all throughout the rest of the episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, my mouth will get a workout. I enjoyed it for what it was enough. Like, I can at least appreciate first person shooters for being a well made product. Um, I think the Dreamcast was a really interesting choice to do it on because not only do you just have the single analog stick and a D pad combination, you have them on the same side of the controller. So you can't even really use both of them at the same time and in some ways that makes controlling these giant mechs kind of awkward but then in other ways actually controlling them is kind probably going to be kind of awkward anyway Mm -hmm. so that seems okay kind of an accidental realism in there (laughs) yeah they're really putting you into the universe um, the one, uh, the one, I did see a comment somewhere that mentioned, um, I think that this is one of the first Gundam games that put you, um, that you put you in the suit when you were fighting. Um, which, which sounds kind of funny when I say that, say it, but I would have expected, uh, that to be the, the case from the start. This is one of the first games we got here in the American market, if not the first. Like that, there might be a few months here and there kind of deal. But Gundam games had been going for a long while over in Japan. So you had some on some of those gaming computers, with like the MSX or the PC88, and the fun thing is you had some on the NES and the Super Nintendo, they were just stuck in Japan and never came over here. Which is kind of a shame, I think. Yeah, I'd assume I'd assume there just wasn't enough of an audience for them over here. Um, from what I from what I know uh, the Gundam kind of fandom is very niche in America. So if you're a fan, you're a really big fan, and you and you search out a lot of the the, the properties and the the um, the suits that you can build and um, and all the extra stuff. But if you're not a fan, it's not something that you would really search out unless you run across it in a store and say, "Hey, this looks interesting. What is this?" Uh, but then you might not got you might not go and search it out beyond that. On the other hand, it kind of surprises me that we didn't get like Gundam Wing Endless Duel for Super Nintendo because who cares if who cares if you don't know the story behind it? You it's a giant robot two D fighting game. I that's one of the games that I would totally have wanted to play, um, but that's also because I have a very very large fondness for the, the Gundam Wing universe, just because it was it was the first series that I um, watched through in t- on its, in its entirety. Yeah, but they, and they, it doesn't seem like um, there's much interest in re-releasing older games on, on any platforms these days. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Uh, no, it's just pretty much seems to be... Oh, we're on PS5 now? Let's remake a PS3 game. <laughs> or the same games uh, that get re-released for every console. Yep. And not the first Silent Hill game in your Silent <laughs> Hill collection. Oh yeah, they're, they're re-releasing that, aren't they? They, they just, are. They just announced that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's I, also I, not a game that I am interested in because I am not a horror fan at all. Me either, but when I saw somebody with the, their first Silent Hill game at the flea market and they wanted $5 for it, I knew I had to grab it. <laughs> oh, you're like a magpie. It's true. Though, so, the story for 007... Nine rise from the ashes this is not a james bond game is set in australia <laughs> at the end of the one-year war yep. um they've had a colony drop here on earth which is not good for both the people and the environment to put it very lightly it is not uh fun facts um a colony drop usually happens in every single gundam universe at some point um, it's kind of one of the major threats that the uh, that the opposing force can, or the the people who are in charge of the colonies, can kind of offer um, because it is just so devastating. This game depicts the activities of the White Dingo Team because they're in Australia, so of course they're named the White Dingo Team. But um. I was looking at the title screen before I realized it was set in Australia and Kaylee was sitting there with me and, oh, look, that's not Australia at all, is it? And then it was, so that kind of ruined my joke. Uh, it's a really simple first-person shooter game as far as first-person shooter games go. I mean, you are trying to cram an entire 3D game onto a console that basically had CDs and the space of a CD for its memory. Mm -hmm. And if I remember right, that's yeah. like 700 megabytes of data. Yeah, I think I read it, I, I read it has nine, nine different battles that you fight um, to get through the main story. Really short by today's standards, but some really nice cutscenes in between the fighting. Yeah, I really, I enjoyed the interplay, um, I enjoyed the interplay between, like, the, the female, kind of, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember what her title was. Was she, like, the, the leader? Like, the head of the, the company, Theron? Um, and then, like, the two, like, male side characters? I'm getting so many military things mixed up in my head right now. Yep, she is the chief petty officer. So it's... Oh. So you're playing as Master Pierce Rayer, who is leading the attacks. And then there's Lung Fife, Maximilian Ber Berger, Berger, and Anita Julianne, who is... I think you're like, you're like second in command? Could be wrong there. To be perfectly honest with you, I had I got to be in a giant robot, so I didn't worry about what human character I was too much. <laughs> I think that's I think that's kind of the point. You you get in a giant robot, you um, you shoot things, and you command the your two side characters into also shooting things. It is a little bit more of a first-person shooter that I can get into because of having the ability to tell your teammates there, hey, you need to go do this other thing. But it's still a first-person shooter. I just can't get into those. So this one was kind of doomed. At this time in uh, kind of game design, was it, was it possible to... I'm guessing it would have been possible to have them kind of do their own thing, but I guess that you you would kind of lose the strategic part of the the battles if if they kind of did their own thing. Yeah, I like the part of 
being able to tell them to do something because otherwise like you said they're just off doing something and it doesn't matter i like like i like the tactical rpg games when i have time to actually play them and being able to kind of control that whole overarching thing and this is a small taste of that and if this had been like third person kind of thing like how uncharted is or something then i could have gotten into it more it's just something with that first person Mm -hmm. view that Mm -hmm. i can't wrap my head around and like we've already said the dreamcast controller does not really play well with needing to do these kind of controls it's a lot better than the tank controls of resident evil but by this point you've gotten the dualshock controller on playstation already so you already know the joys of dual thumbsticks Hmm. It doesn't look like they released a lot of other games on the Dreamcast, so maybe that was part of it. Yeah, not a lot of people released a lot of things on Dreamcast. (laughs) Steven. But as the title suggests too, this is just a side story in the greater Gundam universe. So what you've Mm -hmm. got is hey, you know, here's a cool thing that happened. It's not super, Mm -hmm. super important to the overall everything, but it's a nice look into what is going on in that universe for this period of time. And I can't fault them for that at all. That's actually one thing Mm -hmm. that I can really appreciate because I -hmm. don't go into this knowing exactly what's going to happen all the time. Yeah, and I I think it's a really good way to use the the kind of universe um, that that they've created with with all of the Gundam franchise, in that they have like all of these different timelines and all of these different series set in the different timelines at different times. Um, so it's you basically have kind of a full can or a, a full open canvas to say I want to do. I want to do a game set in this specific time period. I want to do a, a six-episode series set 150 years later. I want to do um, I want to do a manga version of this other series, etc., etc., etc. And I'm just I'm just a big fan of like shared universes in general. So even if I'm not a, a huge fan of first-person shooters, I can I can appreciate this kind of little filling in of this certain part of um, of the, the Universal Century time period, especially especially since like the aftermath of a colony dropping on a planet is um, just as bad, if not worse, than uh, like a nuclear bomb going off. Which wow, we're getting dark here. How people can be so hateful and willing to just destroy others like that is something that I don't think I will ever understand despite how often we get to see it um, I I completely agree um, and I think that's something that I will never understand um, from both the perspective of someone living in my country um and just looking at the world as it stands. I think there's actually a lot uh, I think in fact I know a, a lot of um, Japan's media has kind of um, especially post World War II has kind of stemmed from uh, dealing with the kind of implications of uh, mass casualty events, mass, mass injuries. Um, and just kind of overall horrific actions um, like that. So I'm not surprised that something like this features so heavily in in a lot of their um, the fictional universes that are created. On a much happier note, ooh, look, cool, giant <laughs> robot. 
uh, going back to the whole first-person shooter thing, like I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the first-person shooter either. Overall, kind of what draws me into the Gundam universe is just the political machinations, um, the big dramatic mecha battles, um, the weirdly magical bits of the Gundam series. Um, I don't know how deep you got into it, but there's a few there's a few weird kind of supernatural bits that I've always found really interesting. Um, one of the one of the bits in the Gundam Wing franchise is that sometimes the Gundams like will move on their own and like make decisions of their own. Or at least the, the Gundams in that series will make decisions on their own and move on their own and kind of are more alive than their pilots expect. And then taking a huge detour, something that kind of that also kind of features in all of the Gundam series in general is that uh, there's there's characters with powers called new types, and they're kind of like Jedi. Is the, the best way to kind of describe their power set, um, and they're very present in like the Universal Century, um, like the main universe. But they're in as far as the other timelines go. Some of them do feature new types. Some of them don't feature new types. Um, sometimes there's a character that like might have some kind of weird supernatural power, but they're not necessarily called a new type. It's weird, but cool. So basically, I'm never going to have any free time ever again because I'm just going to get sucked into the entire Gundam universe. Is that what you're saying? Basically, um, yeah. There's 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 so much to dig into, really, and it's it's. As, um, for me, as someone who is just really into, like, huge, expansive universes where there's, there's just so much to learn and, and consume, um, it's kind of a dream come true. Now I'm just thinking, which X-Men characters would be Gundam pilots? It's a good question. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you would go with Cyclops. Because he he's the big fancy boy who can do everything. I think he would definitely want to be, but I don't think he would end up being as good at it as he thinks he should be. Oh, interesting. But mm. then Magneto would most definitely be the uh, the masked blonde character. Who's kind of on the the middle line between hero heroism and villainy? I can see that. Cipher's definitely gonna have to be one. Hmm. Maybe all of the maybe all of the um, maybe all of the new mutants can be Gundam pilots. I think that's what I'd go with. Do we deserve anything that cool though? I do. Okay, then let's make it happen. I definitely deserve it. Yeah, if only we had some artistically inclined friends who could mm. make art of this happen. Hmm. If only. Let's ponder on that one. But as we do, what is it about Gundam Side Story 0079 Rise from the Ashes that really gets right when looking at at least the Universal Century timeline stuff of Mobile Suit Gundam? That is also a good question. You are filled with good questions. Um, I think it really gets right... I think it gets right the focus on kind of the everyday soldier. A lot of the times in Gundam series, you'll there'll be focus on kind of like the the higher ranking people um, who kind of have more power like over the the different factions and the different um, and the different battles and, and everything um, but there's a lot of focus kind of, there's a lot of attention placed on like the people living just like day to day like their normal everyday lives and I think this is, I think it, it, it kind of highlights those kind of normal everyday soldiers fighting for a better, a better day, a better life, a better future. 
and also the the pew 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 shooty shooty fighty fighty um aspect of the gundam series in general yeah, just the inclusion of all the cutscenes that they have in here, getting into the bits of character background that they do get into, like, you're definitely going to come out of this wanting to know more. And, you know, it's not like it's going to answer every single question a new person can have, but I feel like what's here is it's going to be almost impossible to have a game that really gets you a good introduction. But from what I can tell, it's not like there's anything blatantly wrong here. What about from what you can see? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really good representation of a small a small part of the Universal Century. I mean it's I feel like it's kind of hard to represent the whole the that specific timeline on the whole because it is so large and an all-encompassing. Um so it 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 places the focus on like the everyday soldiers. It um, it leans in on the the kind of horror of the colony drop, and it uh, and it kind of also highlights the um, some of the the Gundam series focus on um, kind of like. Which we actually didn't really mention earlier on, um, but the the Gundam series focus on uh, like biological weapons and weapons that can be used against um, large groups of people besides the colony drop. So, if you had somebody that you knew was interested in getting into Gundam, would you give them this game as a bit of a primer course? Maybe not to start. I would maybe start them off with the original Mobile Suit Gundam series, or um, either that, or like the. I know there's like a, a three almost movies of like the condensed Mobile Gundam series um, that you can see on Netflix. I might give them that, and then I would point them in this direction if they were looking for a game. If I was going to use this game at all, I would give them a compilation of the cutscenes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless they're really into first-person shooters. And then on a completely unrelated note, who's your favorite Muppet? <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Uh, does it have to be an official Muppet? I leave it open-ended on purpose. Okay, um, because I do, I do love the quote-unquote capital M Muppets, but my all-time favorite Muppet-adjacent property is Labyrinth, and I love, um, I love just all the goblins and the, uh, the puppets used throughout that whole movie. I think they're all brilliant, um, I think they're all just performed really well, and they're all extremely hysterical. Have you seen Werewolf by Night yet? No, I haven't, but I've heard really good things. You should. Um, the first thing Kaylee said as her kind of off-the-wall reaction was, of course they named the werewolf character Jack Russell. Oh! But the second thing Kaylee said was, oh no... <laughs> Like, if David Bowie was still alive, then he would be Azarel. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I will. It's definitely on my list of things to watch, so I will I will keep an eye out for that. Well, as but we're recording this, you still have time before I, Halloween. <laughs> I, I do. I've been a little bit, um distracted by um, other TV shows, but I will definitely give it a watch at some point. Aaron, it has been great talking to you about all of this. Mm -hmm. If people want to hear more from you, where else can they find you around the internet? Um, I mostly retweet um, big fandom-related things on Twitter. 
you can find me at actually recently changed my name you can find me at cat lady life underscore nyc and that's about it for now we shall see if that changes also your cat is super cute <laughs> yes you can i will i will post a couple of pictures so people know where to look and as always, okay. we will have links to all that down in the show notes because clicking links is so much easier than trying to remember how to spell things. It is. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, the best place until it burns to the ground is to head on over to Twitter where you can find me at PlayComicsCast. There's not really a good way to tell you about what the Mastodon is or what anything else is, but... You can always head on over to playcomics.com where there's links to all the social media things because even now at way too early slash late in the morning slash night, clicking links is a whole lot easier than trying to remember how to spell things. Play Comics is written and produced and edited and everything else by me, Chris Osborne, despite what Jack GPT says, Chris Sims did not take over the show. Art is also put together by me because I'm a bit of a control freak, but if I wasn't, maybe I would get somebody like former guest and friend of the show, Mishiams, to make art for it. Also, friend of this week's guest, Aaron. Can't forget that as well. Guys, really, Mishi makes good art. Like, that that's just a full thought in itself, and it's true, and anybody who doesn't agree with me is wrong. I will just flat out say it like that. Make sure you go check out their stuff at mishiums.carbonmade.com. Again, links to that will also be down in the show notes because Mishi makes good art and you should get some before I buy it all. Or, you know, you can help support this show and you can be like the patrons I have at Ono Look Class, Dan McMahon and Carl Antonovich and, you know, help support the show because hosting costs money and unfortunately things cost money to make. This is still cheaper than going to the flea market and still cheaper than therapy. Although, you know, if you need therapy, go do that. I just, this keeps me from needing it. Sometimes things are weird. I don't know. It just works out that way. Play Comics is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network, which you will get a bit of a sneak preview of next week when I have a shell of a good time. It's the second time I've made that pun today. First time you've heard it here, but it's good. So I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to have a shell of a good time with another fellow geek over from the GunnaGeek.com network. If you like the music that I'm rudely talking on top of, head on over to soundcloud.com slash best-day to check out Best Day's music. But most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics, and go find yourself a new favorite character. I found a scan of the manual online, and of course those pages are sideways. <laughs> Hence why I'm looking uh, like this. A better day, a better life, a better future.